to work on time. Don't hold up the line. Don't drive too fast. Don't steal from the office. Don't litter. Put your shoes in the x-ray machine. Even when there are no rules, we make them up. Don't talk about money. Tip the waiter. Wear the right clothes. Post your vacation pics. Recycle. Don't admit you watched that one show. You know the one. It happens everywhere. With our kids, our jobs, our friends, on TV, on the radio, the internet. But rules are mostly good, so what's the harm? What happens when the rules dictate how we do church? Go every Sunday. Read your Bible. Go to class. Don't go to movies. Watch your language. Don't drink. Gossip. Judge. Ugh. What happens when we keep these rules? Pride. Judgment. And what happens when we don't? Shame. Lying. Do rules really save us or make us better? Or do we just like rules? Jesus wasn't hung up on keeping the rules. He was hung up on people's hearts. What are you hung up on? They loved rules. Unfortunately, their love of the rules and their detail to them because they loved watching people, making sure that the people were obeying the rules. And after a while, it kind of became prideful in their hearts and in their lives. And they had self-righteousness, and eventually their hearts became callous. And so this morning, we're going to be looking in, of course, Mark 3, verses 1 through 6, if you want to go ahead and turn to that. Uh, as I looked at a, uh, really a, a definition, because what the Pharisees were struggling with was legalism. And so I was looking for a definition that, and that would kind of encompass what we're going to be talking about and sharing about this morning. And um, by the way, I am not uh, Craig Thompson. And uh, uh, as is in the bulletin, as you all already know, but I also appreciate uh, when the role is called up young. I think Kevin done that just for me, you know, one of those world old, old songs. <laughs> no, but I, I enjoyed it. Thank you. As I said, looking up about legalism and what legalism really is about and what it encompasses, I found this, and I think it kind of gives us a good idea of where we're kind of going to start this morning and as we look through Scripture. It says, legalism is an attempt to gain favor with God or to impress our fellow man by doing certain things or avoiding certain things without regard to the condition of our hearts before God. At the root of legalism is the sin of pride. Legalists think that if he's able to please God, he's able to please God by his own good deeds. The legalist is only looking at his works and not at his heart. Also, the legalist's pride motivates him to exalt himself in the sight of others by his outward behavior, again, neglecting the heart, the condition of the heart. Therefore, legalism seems to deny our depravity and exalts our abilities. Even more importantly, legalism goes against the gospel of grace, God's grace. And that's why Jesus struggled with the legalist. He had problems with them. 
Because you see, Jesus, throughout Scripture, we see over and over again, it's all about the heart. I want us to go ahead and read our Scripture this morning. If you want to stand with us as we look at the Scripture. Mark 3, verses 1 through 6. Again, he entered the Son of God. A man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Come here. And he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at the hardness of their heart, and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Hedrians against him how to destroy him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, as we gather together in your house, Lord, you desire to speak to us. Lord, I pray that our hearts and our minds and the quietness of our hearts this morning would allow us to receive all that you have for us. Lord, we thank you for your spirit, and we pray for your spirit to move mightily in this body this morning. We also pray, Lord, for Craig as he stands in the pulpit at Timrod this morning. We know he's prepared and he's ready. We just pray you'll anoint his efforts there, and that you'll bless his words as he shares with Timrod, and truly this would be a time that people would seek and turn to you like they haven't before. A time of revival, restoration in that church, Lord. Bless his efforts there also this morning. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Didn't have the mic on. If that's the only thing I mess up on this morning, that's going to be really good, I can tell you that. I'm not up here in the pulpit, you know, very often. uh, I have been up here in this capacity (laughs) for a long time. But as I've told the people a lot of times, it's a long ways from this to up here, as Kevin knows, you know. There's a lot of distance in between that. But I appreciate the opportunity to share. And and when I thought about what I was going to share, what I appreciate, you know, we went right, we held right straight to the, the scripture and the sermon outlines and the things that we wanted Craig wanted to preach, so come up on legalism, I said, wow, boy, that's, a, that's kind of a tough one, you know. But the more I looked into it this, this last couple of weeks and looked at it, the more I saw that, that while the Pharisees struggled with legalism, it's mighty easy for us, God's people and God's church, to slip into a, that kind of mindset. And so... This morning we're gonna we're gonna kind of this 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 time of in Matthew I mean in Mark is when there's been like five different times that the, there's been a confrontation between the Pharisees and Jesus and the religious leaders and Mark and these confrontations will begin to point to Jesus's rejection and death by the Pharisees the Pharisees were watching every action of Jesus, especially on the Sabbath, anticipating that he might do something that would allow them to condemn him. But Jesus spoiled their plans by involving them in the decision 
about the healing of the man. And that's what we're looking at this morning. Their anger drove the Pharisees to break the Sabbath themselves by plotting Jesus' death. They committed the very sin that they wanted to pin on Jesus. You see, they were always looking and they were always seeking to see what was going wrong. They had a condemning spirit, unfortunately. And so they wanted to see when, when people would fail because that gives them a sense of self-righteousness and they could condemn the people. This is the, this is the mindset that they had. The first scriptures we're going to look at is verse 1 and 2. And I've entitled that The Conspiracy. During the previous accounts of the confrontation with the Pharisees in chapter 2, Jesus' answers obviously did not satisfy them. It could have never satisfied them. His answers, when, he, when they approached him about the, the approval of him approving the disciples to pluck the grain, grain on the Sabbath. As I said, Jesus' answers did not fit their traditions or accepted interpretations of the law. As we know, the Pharisees were very legalistic in their following of the law. After the Pharisees' discussions of Jesus' disciples plucking the grain on the Sabbath, Jesus entered the synagogue. As usual, when Jesus was gathering there in the synagogue, there was a large group. Of course, there were his disciples, there would be the Pharisees, and then there would also be the people that came to want to hear what was going on in the synagogue. One of the things that it kind of spoke to me a little bit in, 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 in the lesson and in the scripture this week was it, it's important to note that the synagogue was a place where Jesus did much of his teaching. You know, a lot of times when we think about Jesus' teaching, we think about he's at the Sea of Galilee or he's on a mountain, mountainside somewhere. However, up to this point in Mark, Jesus spent much time in the synagogue, the center of the Jewish community life, Jesus understood that this was a good place for him to reach people who cared about the things of God, a good place to teach and to share his message. I thought about, this is a great example to us. He was meeting there in the synagogue. You know, he was sharing there. You know, the example is he was meeting with God's people in God's house to share God's message. And I thought, you know, it reminded me of the importance of us gathering together and for us not forsaking the gathering of ourselves together. Yes, it's for teaching and, and learning and, and being built up in the Word of God. All that is, is important, but it's also good to come together in it as God's people and to encourage and to support each other, you know. So I think it's a good example for us to take from that this morning also. Jesus' authority to teach in the synagogue had been established because of his miraculous works that he had done. We know the miracles he had done. This established him to be accepted in the synagogue by the people, but it was mostly the common folks that were accepted. We know that the religious leaders, of course, were looking at Jesus to discredit him any way they could, any opportunity they could have to discredit him before the people. The leaders of the Sanhedrin we know we're struggling much with Jesus' popularity among the people. One of the things is Jesus never shied away from confronting evil, including the evil in the hearts of the Pharisees. As God's children, we need to be willing to confront evil. We need to be willing to encounter evil with the hope of Christ. I thought of 1 Peter 3.15, you know, we're always to be ready 
to share the hope of Christ in our lives. But I also think of that verse, uh, I think of that as, as really a, a, an offensive type of, type of verse. You know, not only are we to be ready and prepared to share the gospel and the hope we have when we're faced with evil or as we see opportunity, we need to be seeking opportunities as we go out. We've got the hope of Christ in us, you know. So we should be seeking opportunities to share the glorious good news with those that we've come, come in contact because of the grace that has been poured out in our lives. From the previous passage and description in the following verses, we know that the they in verse 2 clearly refers to the Pharisees as we shared earlier. The Pharisees were dissatisfied with Jesus' response as we said. He had repeatedly challenged the way they thought about religious matters. At this point, the Pharisees were quite angry and frustrated with Jesus. Jesus had been gaining popularity. I thought about that. I thought about while his popularity was gaining, theirs were being diminished. And boy, the Pharisees just couldn't deal with that very well. You know, they had always been the, the important people and the ones that people looked up to. And yet this young rabbi was on the scene now, and, and they were having to deal with that. And I thought about, you know, that kind of thing can slip into, as I said earlier, even to the hearts and minds of God's people. You know, sometimes the, the Pharisees couldn't rejoice in seeing this young rabbi Jesus sharing the good news and sharing his teachings and people being healed and people being restored. They couldn't enjoy that because they would, in a sense, they were, they were feeling threatened. You know, some of my power or some of my influence is slipping away. We have to be careful, don't we? Because that happens even in the body of Christ. Sometimes when we see God touching people, and we've been so blessed here lately, haven't we? To see God touching our young men and bringing them up and, and them taking courage and standing up here. And I know how easy, because I'm nervous as I can be this morning. And I, I'm an old man. I've been up here a few times. But, you know, it was a neat thing to see our men willing to stand up here and, and share what Christ had done in their lives and was doing in their lives. And sometimes when we're, us that's maybe been around a long time, maybe that can be a little threatening to us at times. You know, maybe we may be losing some influence, maybe we think. But, and that's what was happening with the, the Pharisees. And, and they couldn't rejoice in seeing what Jesus was doing because they felt threatened and they felt like something might be slipping away. You know, we should be rejoicing. We should be rejoicing what God is doing in the midst of this church. There's a lot of churches that it's not happening in. And we've been blessed to see our young men. Boy, when those, all those kids just were flowing out of here a while ago, what a neat thing, wasn't it? Mm, I won't, you know, that's always a blessing to me and always with, you know, so I'm so thankful for what God is doing in the body of Christ here. The Pharisees watched Jesus closely to see if Jesus would continue to go beyond what they believed was acceptable. If Jesus healed this man <clears throat> on the Sabbath, he was definitely breaking the law of Moses. You see, it was okay to intervene on behalf of someone or, 
or even an animal that was dying. But the healing of this man's hand could wait and not be done on the Sabbath as far as the Pharisees were concerned. After all, this man had suffered from this condition for a long time, the Pharisees thought. What, what, what harm would it be? Wait, why do you got to do it on the Sabbath? You know. Um, and they even thought in the mindset of the Pharisees and most of even the Jewish people that they, he must have done something wrong or he wouldn't have a withered hand. So all this was going on in the mindsets of the Pharisees. We continue to see the callousness of the Pharisees' heart. You see, they had an agenda. And as I was sharing a little bit, that agenda had, a, had blinded them. And they were not able to see the needs around them because of the blindness of their hearts, their pride, and their self-righteousness. The Pharisees watched every move of Jesus with intention of gaining evidence that could, use, could be used to destroy him. Jesus had gone too far. The legalist lifestyle were burning them up inside as a way of life, as their way of life was threatened. As far as they were concerned, Jesus had to go. The next verses we're going to look at is the debate, verses 3 and 4. And Jesus said to the man with the withered hand, come here. And he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. Jesus addressed the man by instructing them, addressed the man by coming to him. You see, Jesus wanted to make sure that they were going to see everything that he was about to do. This man may not have appealed to Jesus to heal him as we've seen in other passages and other scripture and other accounts. Perhaps he was simply attending the synagogue along with the rest of the people, but Jesus asked him to take center stage. Some of the commentaries that I looked at talked about that this man could have been planted there by the Pharisees. They wanted to see what Jesus was going to do. They wanted to trap Jesus. Jesus knew that the stakes had been raised. He knew the hearts of the men, these Pharisees that were around him. They had plans to harm him. Jesus had the advantage. He knew their hearts just as he knows our hearts. The Pharisees were looking to trap him. Jesus knew their hearts, and he knew where all this was heading. You know, whether the man was a plan or not, Jesus brought him right into the middle of the debate. Jesus addressed the Pharisees by asking some questions. Which was better to do? Good or harm? To save life or to kill? Jesus asked the questions in a way that made it difficult for them to answer. Jesus had an advantage. He knew their hearts. The Pharisees remained silent. If they said it was better to do good, they would be siding with Jesus and his actions. If they said no, they would be saying that it's not allowed that we, shouldn't, we should do evil or we should, do, or we should kill. Obviously, they were caught in a trap. And they definitely were not going to endorse what Jesus was doing. But they also could not oppose his actions either. The silence must have been deafening as it exposed their legalistic hearts, their deceit, and their hypocrisy. You know, you just can't hide what's inside, can you? Eventually, your true heart is going to come out. And this revealed the heart and the condition of the Pharisees at this time. They had a condemning spirit within them. And it was impossible with that kind of spirit to see 
Jesus and who he is, who he really is. They were blinded. There may be some here today that sin has blinded you. And you can't see Jesus for who he really is today, the Savior of the world. The Bible clearly tells us that the day is a day of salvation. What is your hindrance today? The next verses I've entitled, He Grieved. We'll read those again, verses 5 and 6. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Hedrians against him, how to destroy him. Jesus knew very well the Pharisees could not answer the question without making fools of themselves. He knew the intent of their hearts and that they sought evidence to accuse him of failing to obey the law of Moses. And his first emotion was anger. Was he angry because he knew their motives or because he knew they despised him? I believe the anger that he had was triggered over the Pharisees' willingness and blindness of the evidence that they had witnessed with their own eyes. Their hearts were calloused with pride and with hypocrisy. Throughout this gospel, Jesus ministered openly and publicly to everyone. His voice and to deserve the authority by which he taught and he healed lives. He had this authority and he was teaching and he was sharing and he was healing. The disciples saw exactly what was going on in Jesus' life. It's, it's amazing how the, the disciples saw what was going on and they understood his word and they understood his actions and they believed in him. Yet the Pharisees were seeing the same thing and they labeled him as an imposter and a blasphemer. This grieved the heart of Jesus. It's amazing how differently these two groups saw the ministry of Jesus. The Pharisees had such a legalistic mindset that again it hindered them from seeing and accepting Jesus for who he really is. Jesus told the man to stretch out his hand and when the man obeyed his hand was restored. Jesus did not say to the demon come out of him. He did not say be cleansed or even friend your sins are forgiven. In fact Jesus never addressed any problem. He simply instructed the man to stretch out his hand and he healed. This is the kind of savior he is. This is the kind of savior today. He says come just as you are. You know, don't wait till you get your act all cleaned up. And, you know, he says, just come as you are. And I'll do the healing. He is the healer. Would you trust him this morning? The Pharisees were totally infuriated. And because of their hard hearts, rather than rejoice, as we spoke about earlier, when someone was made whole, they left the scene and immediately conspired with Herod's people. This young rabbi had defiled the religious system that he had, that had rewarded the scribes and the Pharisees with their lofty positions and their status and respect. They were esteemed for the power that they held and were considered holy men of God. Jesus had exposed their prideful intent, and the Pharisees were afraid of losing their standings. They thought it was better to align themselves with the hated enemy the Hedrians, than to acknowledge the ministry of Jesus. You see, legalism is a destroyer. 
something that we don't talk a lot about in the body of Christ, but it's real. From this point on, the, they, the plotted, they plotted for a way to destroy Jesus. Some translations use the word kill instead of destroy. We can be sure that the Pharisees wanted to destroy his reputation and to break his hold on the people. They wanted to expose him as a fraud. Just another false prophet appearing on the scene in the Jewish life. The Pharisees thought, we've won. But they just didn't know the rest of the story, did they? As I was thinking about the application this morning, I thought about, you know, we need to go back and kind of look at the Pharisees again. Kind of look at what was going on and who they were. The Pharisees, as we know, they placed a high value on Scripture. They believed God's Word was critically important. And they put a lot of effort into studying and memorizing and teaching the Old Testament's law. In most cases, the common people of Jesus today respected the Pharisees and their expertise. And for their desire to uphold the holiness of Scripture, it seems as though most of these men started off at a good place spiritually. But what happened? As we've seen this morning and throughout Scripture, the Pharisees became the master of self-righteousness, who regularly pointed out what other people were doing wrong while ignoring their own hearts and their own imperfections. You know, we don't have any problem with that, do we? You know, we don't ever look at somebody and see what they're doing wrong. We, we think about the, 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 the log in our, ear, in, our, in our ear, in our eyes, and the speck in other, you know, in other people. We struggle with that. You know, let's be honest this morning. That's an area that we struggle with, ignoring our own imperfections, our own sins, while we just, you know, we always see what other people are doing wrong. Stated in another way, the Pharisees were hypocrites because the Pharisees were educated in the Old Testament law. They knew when people were disobeying even the smallest detail of God's instructions, and they didn't mind pointing it out and condemning others. We need to be careful, don't we? Yet at the same time, they ignored their own greed, their own pride, their major sins. This is the height of legalism. We certainly condemn their actions of the Pharisees, but we need to be careful, as I've alluded to several times this morning. Legalism can slip into our own lives and the life of the church. As we shared earlier, it's always a heart issue. You know, even this morning in Sunday school, we read 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, I think it was. They'll, they talked about God not looking on the outside, but looking on the inside. He's, you know, it's, it's, it's a heart issue with Jesus. Always has been and always will be. The Pharisees became self-righteous and prideful. They had become comfortable in their lifestyles and their hearts had become hardened and callous. They didn't want anybody messing up what they had. They had allowed, and as the church, we need to be careful. We need to guard our hearts constantly about legalistic ideas, legalistic attitudes creeping in to our lives and the lives of the church. How do we battle those kind of attitudes? Legalism, legal, legalism goes against, as I said earlier, the gospel of grace. As a child of God, our lives should be all about grace. 
Where do we go to find the perfect example of grace? We go to Jesus, our perfect example. So I want to read a few verses to you out of Philippians 2, verses 5 and 9, 5 through 9 first. Philippians 2, verses 5 through 9. Having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in the human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And also Philippians in the previous verses 3 through 5 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility. Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only at his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Verse 5, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. You see, Jesus was humble. He was willing to give up his rights in order to obey God and to put others first. No pride, no self-righteousness in Christ. By having the mind of Christ, we are able to see others as Christ sees them. We can live in the gospel of grace. You see, legalism kills, but grace brings life. Legalism is, is trying, not to do, trying to do what's good for God to love us. The amazing grace that saved us is absolutely undeserved favor. And the kindness of God gives, given to us in Christ Jesus. While we were sinners, His grace transformed us from enemies to His children and empowers us to love and obey out of gratitude. If the church is going to be the light that we're called to be in a dark and a perverse world, we need to be grace barriers. We need to be carrying the grace to others. We need to be proclaiming the hope of Christ. Legalism will not only rob your joy, but it will keep you from being the witness that you need to be in sharing the love of Christ. As a believer, it should be our desire not to allow legalism to slip into our lives as the Pharisees did. It can and it will destroy. It's a real, it's a real threat. It's a real challenge to those of us that are in the body of Christ this morning. And this is my invitation to you. If you're a believer here this morning, you need to be filling our hearts and our minds with the mind of Christ. That's the only way that we're going to be able to have the right kind of mindset to, to battle the sin of legalism. And then as I said, you know, it's, it's not something that we dwell on, but as we've seen this morning, it's something that can easily creep into the life of the body of Christ. We have a blessed church. God is blessing us. But as we've talked about, and Brian and I have talked about, and others, and it's what we pray over is that we won't become comfortable in the blessings that God has given us. That we'll continue to stay on our knees before the Lord. And we'll continue to be watchful, to be mindful. And praying that God will keep this kind of spirit in our hearts and our minds. And legalism is an area that can creep in on our lives very easily. We can become hypocrites. We can become... Uh, prideful, we can become self-righteous and our hearts begin to be callous and we can't see the good things that God desires to do when we allow legalism to
to creep into our hearts and our lives. So this morning, if you're a believer here, today would be the day, if you realize that this morning, to turn to Christ and just ask him to help you have, put on the mind of Christ, you know, and start looking and seeing through the eyes of Christ. Those around you, in other words, being a, a one who carries the grace that's been poured out to you and sharing that grace with other people. Sharing the love, sharing the hope as we've talked about. And then this morning you may be here and you understand and know that I can't share the grace of God because I've never truly received that grace, that amazing grace that He wants to pour out in your life this morning. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every one of us have missed the mark. It also says in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death. But, that's a good word, isn't it? But, the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. He also tells us in Romans 5.8 that while you and I were sinners, he died for us. He took our place. And then in Romans 10.9, he says, If you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, if you'll believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. He says, you know, with, with the heart we believe, and with the mouth we confess that Jesus is Lord unto the salvation that he offers us this morning. If you're here this morning without Christ, We'd love to share with you this morning as Kevin leads us this morning. Wherever you're at, legalism, are you battling it? Maybe you say, oh, I didn't think so, but you know what? <laughs> I've had some of those things creeping into my walk. And God's not happy, is it, with that kind of thinking. He wants us to bear that same grace that he poured out to you and I on Calvary's cross. Now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. An intercession for us this morning. Whatever God's doing in your heart and your life, this morning, would you come as Kevin leads? Would you stand with us, please?